You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile. And now, over to your hosts. Hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode number 21. My name's Rusty and over there is Andrew. How you doing? Not bad, Rusty. Yourself? Good, mate. And over next to me here is Greg. How's it going, Greg? Yeah, good, Rustin. Excellent, guys. How's everyone's couple of weeks been? Yeah, pretty not good. Not too bad. Probably yeah. not as good as Greg's. I saw he uh, had a bit of success in the field, so yeah. we'll see. How'd that yeah. go, Greg? Tell yeah, us about was, that, mate. It was really good. Um, yeah, just went out to a, a local property and um, got the uh, the new Kestrel and Connex combination out yep. and uh, managed to get onto a couple of deer. So um, yeah, wonderful. Not not a huge distance, but uh, it was just good to put the the kestrel through its paces and the Kest- and the uh, conix through its paces and worked really really well. I was uh, super happy with it. So, so that's, is that that's fifty seven hundred? Yeah, fifty seven hundred yeah. elite and um, yeah, and the conix. Yeah, so it worked really well. Got that, two two deer and uh, yeah, the freezer's full. Wonderful, mm. brilliant, very good. Speaking of your uh, your your rangefinder and uh, and Kestrel setup, I had a, a little bit of a setback news. I um, f- managed to get in touch with Downrange Systems. Who uh, last episode we spoke about the Bluetooth module they yeah. uh, well they advertise on their website as being ready to go for Is the Vectronics. It's not actually quite ready to go. They uh, <laughs> they said it was ready to go for the forty five hundred series ah, Kestrel. Right. Hmm. Um, so not for the fifty seven. They're, they're working with them, but the good thing is it it will be retailed through Applied Ballistics. So all oh, um, right. So they're not slapping ITAR on it or anything like that. Not sure yet. Yeah, right. Uh, I, it's yeah. yeah I, I would doubt it initially, but you know we'll wait and see. But yeah. the good thing is it's going to be available, you know, it's through through Applied Ballistics, which is good rather than having yeah. to try and source it through you know, yeah. second or third parties. So. No, that's good. But yeah, I'm not in an urgent rush, which is good, but. It's it's coming, which is good news. So, hmm. yeah, that's good. And the uh, the other thing is the Rugers have finally arrived. Precision rifles. Uh, mm. Six months earlier than you're expecting. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for the reminder. The uh, bank account certainly is not ready for it. But anyway, I'll, uh, eventually when the PTA comes, I'll uh, pick them up. And that um that I had, I've had a bit of a play with it, not taking it for a shoot, but um it seems. Pretty good. I mean, so, it, it, sort of everything about it. You got to take of the context that it was. You know, it's about a two thousand dollar rifle, mm, and, mm. and with that in mind, um, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. Yep. So far, I'll wait till we we shoot it, um, <clears throat> which we're hoping to hopefully happen soon. But the uh, the the folder on it's really solid, really solid. Yeah. Like you, you know, when it's closed up, you wouldn't realize it is one, which is obviously the idea. That's what you want. Yep. Um, the bolts relatively. Relatively smooth. The trigger's not not anywhere near as terrible as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any expectations of it. I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was mm. not going to be even a, a consideration. But it's not. It's not bad. It's workable. Well, in, in terms of triggers, you know, aftermarket options. If if straight away you weren't happy off the shelf, is there plenty of options for these I, these Rugers? Or? I don't think so yet. Not yet. But I'm sure there would be. There may be in the US. I haven't seen anything here. Yeah. yeah. I've, yeah. I haven't looked into it. I'm fairly sure you be able to confirm this rusty but the action on those is it pretty much the american action yeah, in, it, in it, the it basic is, receiver it is the exact same as the Ruger american action and basically the difference it looks like the the Ruger american seemed to be uh, machined off the back so it sort of fits the contour of the stock whereas these are the whole way 
back sort of looked like a full, mm. full size and setup. How about the? What did you think of the balance of it? Was it well balanced yeah. for like a practical sort yeah, of rifle? For a practical type of rifle, yeah. you could you could fairly comfortably take a, um, a standing shot with it. Yep. Um, I didn't have a bipod on there at this stage, plus no scope. So it's a re- it's it's yeah. he- heavy, but you're going to expect that mm. it's not overly heavy. Um, and the number of people who've played with it sort of have been surprised that it's not as plasticky as they thought it was going to be. Yeah, if yep. that so makes sense. Plenty of chunk and weight to it. Sort yeah, of thing. yeah, it's pretty solid. Meaty sort of feel. Thing. Yep. I've tried a couple of different mags in it, um, mm. but it's meant to take six or seven different mags. So I've got it. I've got four different varieties to to give it a crack with. Yep. So yep. I'll try all of those. Um, and the, the rear stock on it is one of the weaker points, but it you know it'll it'll work and be fine. It's you know got good adjustment in it, but that's one thing that I may change one day. So, so do you know of anyone that's actually got out for a shot with one yet? As um, yet, I haven't seen. I'm sure someone has now. They've they've you know the the states where the, they can sort of pre-organise mm. PTAs that um, they probably have them out and about, but I haven't seen that. They only sort of started to arrive in shops on. First I saw was Friday last week. Yeah, so really early days. Yep. One yeah. one thing I guess regarding that rifle was a little bit disappointing to hear was um, New South Wales obviously are not allowing them. Yep. And even for uh, for temporary visitors for for hunting, you know, from South Australia or other states that do permit them. Yeah. That's, not even yeah. allowing them to enter the state at all. So. Yeah. Just a bit one, disappointing, but. Yeah, yeah, that is that's, that's unfortunately what we deal with, isn't it? So. Yes, anyway, there are a couple of things. Um, Greg, I, I need to apologise, mate. What was that? I'm sorry. Well, so last episode, we gave you a fair amount about your barrel, all right, and your useless gun, <laughs> which, um, which I'm still, I'm still going to claim. But um, we got some clarification from one of our listeners about um, some of the changes to the LITS. We did. Uh, information. You want to share it? Cause you, yeah, I think that was Bronte from the PRI. Yeah, yeah, um, he's done well. Yeah, he's done well. So basically the... The op- the optimal recommended twist rate hadn't changed. Well, at all. clarify what happened. So it was a it was a one in seven point eight. Seven point eight was the recommendation. Yep, you um, bought a, a so barrel. I bought a one in eight to try and get as close to that as I could. Yep, uh, to try and maintain as much of my BC as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I. I guess I misread an article saying that the recommendation was now one in seven. And I thought, well, I'm out by, by an inch. Yes, yeah, so you're about to throw it in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> Not really, but anyway. <laughs> um, but what it turned out to be was that what uh, the burger guys had done is applied a rounding system. So if right. they had any part recommendation, so 7.8, they would round down to the next tightest twist. Yeah, okay. And that's that's what they implemented. So... Yeah, they recommend one in seven, even though the optimal is still up around seven point eight or seven point eight thereabouts. Yeah, okay. So what you're basically saying is still point two out, really. It is Actually, just... I, I went to the burger twist rate calculator um, and had a go in that, and I put in basically what my expectation is in terms of MV and all that sort of stuff, and it, it comes up as stable. Oh so, yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm but, still not convinced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't give you too much material. No, that's right. No, we'll find I'll, something I'll else. I'll try and defend my position as much as we'll I can. We'll try and find something else to pick on uh, with that particular gun. Um, no worries. But no, look, have you got any updates? Is it is it any closer? We, we're there or not quite? No, no, not there yet, but it must be phone call any day type Yeah, okay, time. so to that, so, to that yeah, point. Uh, it's in good hands. I'm just waiting for, for him to get to it, basically, so... Very good. So we'll uh, yeah, very we'll, keen. We'll await for uh, for the the news on that one, and then we'll find something 
something wrong and then we'll... Well, if it shoots, you know, 0.1 of an inch groups, Sam, I think we might be in a little bit of strife, but... Yeah, but they'll be the wrong colour. Or so, yeah, it, I'm not stopping low <laughs> development till I get that now. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, also, spoke with uh, Butters from uh, Practical Rifle NT. They had a shoot there a couple of weeks ago, I reckon, and he said that they um, they had a bunch of new faces, which is really exciting oh, to great, see. Great. A bunch Words of guys. getting out. Yeah, yeah. So if you're in NT and you, you like this sort of shooting, get get up there they have announced although they haven't confirmed the dates they've announced a two-day event at the end of the year which they're looking at the beginning of october um but they will confirm dates and they'll we'll get butters on here and have a bit of a chat about that so that Mm. will be really good that's a pretty exciting event for anyone in Mm. australia to get over to um what month did you say october at this stage so i hope you like humidity (laughs) (laughs) love it it's great yeah, it's um. It's dry. Well, it doesn't have that bigger. It doesn't have that big effect on your ballistics. What are you worried about? Yeah, it's not so much the ballistics it's, you it's, should be worried about. I know. I know. It's um, my physical prowess. <laughs> I might sweat a little. I'll leave. I'll leave that to you, mate. That'd be good. Um, the other thing we we should let everyone know is Vic Practical Rifle with the Precision Service Rifle Series. Their next event is at the end of June or close to the end of June. I reckon it's the twenty fifth and twenty sixth which is the same weekend as Sydney Shot Expo. Um, so unfortunately, well, yeah, unfortunately we do miss out on that one, but Greg and I will be at the Shot Expo. So if you, if you also unfortunately miss out on the Vic Comp, um, uh, come and say good day. But uh, if you are in Victoria or can get there that particular weekend, um, I'm sure Jared will love to see you there and we might even try and get him to come on. And uh, But otherwise you can find them on Facebook or they've got a website now as well. So... Uh, hit them up and uh, get along to that. That should be good. I know a few SA guys are coming, uh, going over as well for that one. Uh, and then their next one after that is in August and we're going to take a crew over. So if you are interested in heading, um, let us know. That would be good. Um, what else have we got? News. Um, oh, yeah, one of our sponsors and what I do is Southern Shooters has changed its name for the training side of things to Impact Dynamics. Um probably a couple of reasons why but anyway we'll leave it at that so if you see impact dynamics on facebook or the new website coming out in a couple of weeks uh that is the same the same thing it's just changed slightly and brian litz has a new book coming out in july as well yeah i saw that article yeah yeah it looks like he's done a bit of an analysis on barrels in that uh, he condition. hasn't, but well, I don't know how much he was involved. But the guy from Precision Rifle Blog has done yeah. a big analysis on barrels, and Nick Vitablo has done a big analysis on rangefinders. Oh yes, I've heard a little bit about that in yeah, other podcasts actually, that, and that sounds really good. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's done like a um, what would you call it? Almost dollar per yard type ratio. Bang for buck. Yeah. In terms of your rangefinder assessment. So, and he's got a, they set up a very repeatable rangefinder range to do all that testing on. They did. Yeah. They had specific targets, including absorbent type targets that represent animal fur, and and then they they went across all the different target types. So, it should be a really good, really good review. I think really thorough. Yeah. There's a lot of sort of misinformation out there about rangefinders and Mm. over exaggerated claims of performance so it'd be good to see the results he got there it will yeah. be really good and, and you know those guys do very specific and accurate work so 
be excellent to see. I'd, I'd in a side note to that because one of the rangefinders that I'm following that I wouldn't mind checking out is the Sig uh, Kilo. Popular lately, yeah. yeah. Getting fairly, fairly good reviews, I think, mm. aren't they? Yeah, mm. they are. And and what's been announced, uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, was OSA or outdoor sporting agencies are now the agents locally for Sig, uh, for Sig Optics. So um, it's a, it's quite feasible to be able to actually order them. Yep, yep. So you've never had hands-on yourself no, with one of them? No, no. They've also um, got a line of, of scopes out as well, yeah. Rusty, which are, again, getting very good yeah. reviews. Um, again, I haven't actually seen one in the flesh, but uh, certainly good talk about them. So. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really hoping that OSA have them at SHOT. Uh, work, shot be expo because yeah. uh, I'll be real keen to have a look through because I've yeah we've heard about them for a little while um, and be keen to uh, to see what they 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 come up like. Mm, well, mm. the sort of initial reports are good, and I just yeah hopefully they're sort of in the price range of the you know, equivalent high end optics, I guess. Yeah, from my brief look, their 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 top end stuff, which is I think their Tango Six stuff, is is in that sort of three thousand dollar category yeah, so it's in the pocket so yeah. it's it's up there with with you know the mm. the cars and the top end night force and the um oh maybe not quite the schmitz but you know a lot of that top end sort of gear mm. um it's itself around the three plus mark um then yeah it'll be interesting to see if it can if it can um match it with them so anyway we'll we'll have hopefully have some hands yeah. on yeah hopefully they have some there um and but it was good to see, in particular that kilo, because I reckon those kilo rangefinders are only going to be sitting around the seven fifty mark. Um, so really, sort of well priced. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, my perception with rangefinders has always been, to a degree, you know, you you pay, you know, thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollars, whatever it might be, and you get to a certain level, and if you want to go further, you really need to pay Double. considerably more. Yeah. Mm. So. I guess this uh, for me this rangefinder roundup I guess will be um, hopefully validate my expenditure on the rangefinder <laughs> I did get. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's always a challenge. So we'll um, we'll see. Maybe maybe uh, we will after we read that we might be able to shift away from Greg's rifle and start giving him a hard time about his Connex. I've got a 1600B as well, the Leica. <laughs> the justification. It does go a bit started. further. Yeah. No, those Connects look great. They, they look yeah. good. So definitely anyway, good for the hunting. We'll wait so. to see what the reports are like, and uh, we'll base all our decisions of everything on that. All right. Um, very good. So um, I think that that was, that was almost everything we had to cover off before we get into some other things, other business. Uh, so we, we're running a competition at the moment. Uh, the guys from Precision Rifle Products have given us a bunch of their load right kits, uh, which are these. Uh, I've got to do the spiel for them. These uh, little kits are a really good way to do load development, which is, funnily enough, going to actually be our topic tonight. But they allow you to put in, um, put your base load into your rounds and cap them and then take a whole stack of little uh, powder tubes uh, along to the range with you with varying degrees and increments and that way you can sort of respond to your load development as you're going along. Um, there's heaps more information on their website and there'll be a video coming out soon, all that sort of gear. But um, we've got a bunch of questions uh, and our favourite one uh, gets uh, one of those kits. So we'll read through the questions. Greg, do you want to start with one of those questions there? Um, right. Maybe not the top one, that's pretty complex. We'll yeah, I'll, I'll go Whichever one you like. Yeah, second one down from Alex in SA, in right South up. Australia. 
what would you guys do to get the same amount of drop at any given range? Would you use a lighter projectile at a faster MV or a larger projectile with a higher BC to allow uh, at a slower rate due to the limit of powder in the case? Right. Yeah, interesting question. I, it would be handy, I guess, to have a little bit more information. Yeah, I'd actually um, like to ask him a few questions, to be honest, before what, answering. You what know? would you ask? What would you well, ask? I mean, I, I would, you have to sort of put some parameters there. So yeah. I, I would say, to me, you're probably focusing on the wrong wrong area as far as of, uh, drop goes, because that's, that's what he's saying. Now, to me, wind is the critical one. Hmm. However, if you're using, say you're using a, a 308 with with either a you know a heavier bullet like a 180 185 grain burger or something like that versus say a 110 grain Vmax you know to a degree out to a certain distance the lighter bullet will shoot flatter yeah it's all time of flight stuff yeah but mm. given that they're a lot less efficient in the air there will mm. be a point where the heavier bullet overtakes it basically yeah. as far as um, drop goes so it depends yeah. and that's where my number one question to him would be is is what's the application because you you could lean either way depending on what you're trying to achieve at the end of the day like you know what your application is so yeah and to me there will always there, there will be that point now re- depends on the on the projectile depends on the cartridge but where the lighter bullet will mm. drop away because of its lower ballistic coefficient it will yeah hit a point where well not hit a point it'll basically slow down a lot quicker than a more efficient projectile will so there'll be that point whatever range it happens to be where it's not just the the reduced wind drift of the heavier bullet but Mm. it will have less drop than the lighter one but depends what you're trying to do i mean i Mm. how hard do you want to hit well terminal performance is another question to ask you know do you want to hit hard at range or hit you know is is the lighter projectile going to hit hard enough well, I mean, I, I've built rifles with a you know specific purpose of, of spotlighting, and yeah. you know, for a lot of you know, most of the guys in Australia would know what that's all about, but a lot of you know US listeners wouldn't really. But mm-hmm. it's not particularly long shooting because you can't see the the you know the game. But for me, I've built rifles where I want as fast as I can get with a light bullet because yep. knowing that three to four hundred meters is about the limit of range. Mm-hmm. Limit so, of the spotlight, typically. Yeah. yeah, and often you don't have time to, to range it, so yep. you're taking a guess. So you can minimise your drop you within three to 400. Dead space? <laughs> dead space. Dead space. We'll get Brian onto that. Danger yeah. space. We, we can give him a hard time about dead space. So yeah, basically, you know, if you're going using a parameter of, okay, 400 metres is the, the outer limit of what I'm intending to shoot, yep. um, not factoring wind into the equation because often it's calmer at night then mm. you know for that particular ap- application i'd go light and as fast as i can mm. but it'd be very different if you were daytime long range hunting for example yeah. where you and usually you got a bit more time and you can range it in and your medium game medium large game you know yeah or, or anything really i mean mm. um so it, it depends what you're trying to do really exactly exactly yeah very good i think that the the Part in that is that the, any given range, and I think um, two quick things: if you if you named the range, then you'd have a fairly confirmed answer. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, you, in say in applied ballistics, which I know we all sort of use, um, in that app you can actually select multiple 
um, multiple projector or multiple uh, ammunition profiles and compare them against each other. And you will see uh, visually, um, not only on the graph, but visually with the table, where that drop-off and where that change happens. So um, if this is a, a theoretical question of which way am I, do I want to go, do I want to set my rifle up for this one or for that one, um, run it through something like Applied Ballistics where you get that idea. And if that changeover point from the benefit of the light to the heavy mm. is is your beyond your limit, then certainly yeah, the light option would be a good option um, if it does everything else you need to. If you think, no, I'm, I'm trying to go further, um, then you're probably going to be better off with the high BC sort of setup. Yeah, and like you, like you just said, Rusty, with applied ballistics being you know, a very reliable and you know, mm. accurate tool, gone are the days of having to actually verify these things out in the field you can, from the comfort of your home, work it all out and go, okay, well, you know, this is clearly going to give me the advantage or, or the disadvantage. So yeah. extremely handy tool for, for that very purpose. Yeah, absolutely. For, for the research side of things. And and it's it's one of those things that, um, yeah, recently when we did the PRI, I know one particular gentleman I know who, who has ended up changing back to something a little bit lighter um, from something heavier because for what he was attempting to do, the lighter one actually makes more sense because it's quicker. Yeah. It's the time of flight's better, and and therefore yeah. within the, the the confines he's put around it, um, it will be the better performing projectile. Yeah, and and that's the big start, isn't it? Understanding the task and the boundaries of of what you want to fit that projectile into or that ballistic yeah. profile into. Yeah, yeah, very good. There's a second question there from Alex. Actually, we'll let him sneak that that other one in. Yeah, um, Alex has basically talked about barrel wear and asked about barrel wear, and he says, um, topic is barrel wear. Which would have more wear on the barrel? Both 30 cal, both have the same muzzle velocity of 3,000 feet per second. One has a 30-inch barrel with a slower-burning powder, and the other is a 26-inch barrel with a faster-burning powder. Yep, that that's probably up your alley, I think, there. Yeah, Andrew. I'm going to step away I, from that one. I, wow. Well, I can, I can, I learned something. Well, not I learned... I can clarify something that we said last last week was that most of the barrel wear is going to happen in the early stages. Yeah, well, I mean, as far as, as wearing out a barrel's useful shooting life, unless you're damaging it with your cleaning technique, it's all in that first yep. couple of inches of barrel, really. That's right. So the length um, of the barrel is probably not a significant factor. Not in this case, no. Yeah, and in this case, yeah. We, we had a little chat about this earlier, and I, I think now this is only going on what I think is, you know, logistic well logically correct is um basically to achieve the same velocity with a faster burning powder it, it's gonna probably have a higher peak pressure like a chamber pressure yep and to my understanding of how of internal ballistics would be the faster burning powder in that case would probably mm. yeah. burn the barrel out quicker all things being equal like the same type of rifling of course and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah lots of variables yeah and that seems to make sense, but we, we we certainly still need to get someone from ADI or something like that uh, on, um, which, Greg, can we make a note at Shot Expo? Let's see if we can uh, find someone to have a chat to on here. Corner them? Corner them. Corner them. Yeah, get no their worries. Skype details. Well, I mean, so get them on. This is a sort of the field that, you know, I'm only basing my opinion on what I think is the case. I mean, yep. a, you know, a ballistic technician who works with this stuff could give a lot more accurate. Yeah, absolutely. View, but yeah, um, I mean, it's it's generally speaking, you know, it's that the flame temperature and the pressure that you know largely contributes to 
you know, the, the rifling burning away, it's not so much the projectile. Yep. Yep. So, again, well, it depends on the nature of the projectile, but all things being equal, mm. that's, I think, probably probably how it would be. Absolutely. All right, well, I'll, uh, I'll read out the next question. Uh, hey, guys, I'm still new to the firearms world, having my CAT A&B licence for about two years. I'm looking to... Um, Looking for help to better understand grouping, long-range shooting. Uh, at the moment, I have a Howard 1500-23 and a Savage Mark 22LR. I'm pretty much looking for advice and tips to help me out. Located Geelong, Victoria, any help would be great. Okay, that's a fairly fairly broad yeah. question. Um, probably a fairly common one. It is, yeah. You know, every that's probably a fairly common start point for a lot of guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've, they've got a twenty-two and a two-three. The benefit probably of that two-three is it's probably got a relatively fast twist rate, being yeah. a Howard, probably a one in nine uh, if he's bought it in the last couple of years. So he's certainly got a, a rifle that's perhaps capable of uh, of pushing a little bit further. Yeah, and I think two-two-threes. So you know, although. Yeah, they're a smaller calibre. They're very good training calibre. Oh, yeah. Like, to begin with, to get good technique and, you know, not develop flinches and all those sorts of little nasties. Mm. Um, really, 223 is a good starting point. So it looks like he's, he's ready to, to start to reach out. I think that's the impression I'm getting from that Yeah, that question. Seems so, yep. And I, I, I guess my advice probably would be two things. Uh, one, probably clear up... There's not a lot of good sources of information on the internet and I'd probably just say maybe get the uh, Brian Brian Litz's book and yep. um, have a read of that because that clears up a lot of uh, I guess myths and um, misinformation from the internet so you actually understand how bullets perform and, and how ballistics work and, and, and the fundamental effects on, on you know that it will start to come into play as he starts to reach out and and secondly is get around people that have been doing this for a long time. Um, yeah. Get involved with a club. Um, yeah, so they're just my sort of basic, you know, sort of high-level mm. advice I'd give. So. I'd, yeah, I'd agree mm. with, I mean, there's only so much you can tell somebody sort of remotely like we're doing now. I I mean, I think you said, Rusty, you'd sort of directed I, this I have, fella to... Yeah, uh, I have put uh, Brendan on to Jared uh, from Vic Practical and hopefully they've connected and, and, uh, and that'll be a wonderful way for him to be able to connect. <laughs> yeah, big step forward. Um, mm. And be able to sort of learn and develop, for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, mm. I guess a, a piece of advice I was given years ago was don't sell yourself short with a scope. Um, yeah, it's a because I mean, how are they're a basic rifle, but they're by no means inferior. They, I mm, mean, I've seen no. some really, really accurate Howers off oh, the yeah. shelf. Mm. So, you know, if you you get a Hower, it doesn't say here whether it's a, a heavy or light barrel. I don't think it really matters to a degree. But mm. you know, if you go and then put a two hundred dollar scope on it, the chances are you are really limiting. Yeah. That's You're limiting the limitation. Yourself. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I would say you know you you get the most expensive scope you can buy, and then you put the rifle around it yeah um so like i mean if, i'm not sure whether um brendan sort of followed the podcast to a you know a heavy degree but getting a scope that is reliable and solid in this case i, I would say if you want to go from zeroing at 200 meters and, and mm. just being a general hunting gun to yep. you know reliably and effectively shooting longer ranges i think scope's probably the critical well a fairly mm. critical it's a point big player, you, big player definitely you've you've stolen my point andrew that's exactly what i was going to say but i will add to it um 
the joy of if Brendan does go get himself a decent uh, scope is he'll be able to max out his rifle once his skills get to that point with the, the heavier, mm. uh, sorry, the faster twist rate and perhaps run something a bit heavier in there. But the other thing that he'll be able to do if he sort of spends some good money on that scope or, or gets you know something very reputable, he will then be able to move it across to whatever he upgrades to should he really yeah. enjoy it and continue down that path. And eventually mm. he'll probably upgrade from a 2 to 3 um, and at that point, he doesn't necessarily have to buy another scope. He can move that one along to it. He may still keep his 2 to 3 and put something more sort of a varmint-type setup on there. Um, oh, up mm. to him, I guess, what he does. But, yeah, he, to buy that scope considering um, that you could move it and use it for a, a long time from here on in, and it doesn't have to be tied to that gun. Yeah, I guess um, you mentioned it before, Greg, as well. Um, certainly whether he intends to take up the particular style of shooting or not, but you yep. know, like the F class kind of guys. Yep. Um, just get around them and, and talk because we can only answer a question that's written here. We're not interactive, so to speak. Yeah. So if you go to a yeah. range, you might not want to sit down and, and do exactly what they're doing, but those are the sort of guys that will really be able to yeah. help you with wind yeah, and, and what's, it, what's important. And you can ask them and then get direct feedback. And, you know, we yeah. certainly um, welcome more questions as well. But yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing like being there. Yeah, and being coached. Yeah, you know yeah. that's that's a biggie. Someone sitting there and you know giving you tips and hints as you shoot yeah. is uh, invaluable. Uh, and uh, I think you'll know absolutely. what steps to take from there as his knowledge grows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so and and get out and get some trigger time. And you got a twenty-two, so get behind that and just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. Develop technique. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Very good. Very good. All right. Uh, someone will read out one of the other ones. Well, I'll. Uh the, the last question we've got here on the list, it won't be the last one we read out tonight, but um, is from Simon here in South Australia as well. It's, uh, hi guys, question for the discussion on the show. Muzzle brakes, what do you guys run? Are there good off-the-shelf ones to buy, or is it better to get a custom one from a gunsmith? I'm using a factory Tika T3 light and looking to reduce the barrel lift and to be able to see bullet impact and get back on target faster. Well. Right. I've got to say, I've seen some pretty good-looking uh, off-the-shelf muzzle brakes recently. What was that one I think you posted on Facebook, Andrew, that had the bolt that you could screw oh, the, back? The sort of the nut, if and you it like. Had a, yeah, it had a slightly uh, set back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, APA is uh, you know, a company in the US. They produce sort of a range of them. There's, they do a whole, whole heap of similar kind of concept some of them are bigger and some of them are smaller there's the the little bastard and the fat bastard hey um, hey I'm, hey i'm right here mate no need to i fit uh, the same category me. rusty so <laughs> it's all good that's a really good naming i was, I was, I was going with the little for me you shouldn't have. <laughs> but i mean yeah there's there is a huge number of, of extremely good brakes off the shelf um mm, mm. you certainly don't need to go with a gunsmith option I, just a, a point of concern i would have uh, for Simon's rifle is that it's a pretty thin barrel and you don't have a lot of material at the muzzle on a T3 light um, mm. with, uh, you know, I threaded a lot of barrels in my time for breaks and you basically you want to go as large a thread diameter as you can yeah. to, you know, to minimise the disruption to the end of the barrel so so just on that what, what do you think of those like porting options you know where you see those like sort Mag- of miniature holes put in the yeah, the, yeah, like the barrel porting. yeah is, is have you had any experience with porting a little mm. um there's you know very specific equipment required to do it it's um you know it's not sort of just a lathe and a mill job you need proper 
you know, machinery yeah, to do okay. that. You know. mm. um, so, again, I, I haven't been super impressed with it. Yep. Certainly not nearly as effective as a good brake. Yep. Um, but it's an improvement on maybe a standard barrel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so definitely. it's sort of the middle ground, if you like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, I mean, the T3 lights is that there is enough material there to do a, a put a brake on it and you know thread it. But it, you'd certainly want to uh, go as large a diameter as you could. But yeah, certainly the there is a plenty of off the shelf options. A gun like that, obviously, you would need to take it to a to a gunsmith to get it threaded. Yeah. So. Yeah, some gunsmiths make their own, some will supply, Yeah, and some will just fit whatever you give them. So. And the other thing too is is obviously a lot of muzzle brakes need to be timed. Yeah. Um, and yeah. these some of these ones we were talking about before, you don't need to time them because they have an adjustable bolt that comes back. Yeah, the, the um, APA brakes are pretty convenient in that you, you basically just get the appropriate thread cut and you pretty much screw it on and line the the uh, the ports where you want, and then you tighten the nut up at the back. It's a pretty good, pretty simple system. Yeah, good system. Um, I, offhand, I'm not sure how small they go in thread size. Um, that that could be a concern, but you know Simon would definitely need to get his you know get his rifle you know worked on by a gunsmith. Now, I would suggest have a look around. There's certainly um, yeah, very very good options off the shelf. Hmm. I'd say you don't need to go with a with a custom made job at all, um, unless you wanted to be different. But um, those APA brakes are very good, and uh, yeah, without having the the barrel diameter on hand, I, I'm fairly sure they would make one to fit because I know they do a lot of AR15 stuff in the US. Yeah, and a lot of those threads are um, are fairly small. I think half inch by 28. I think is a standard thread, so. That would definitely work on the end of a, a Tika. I'm just having a look. Um, there's a guy out of New Zealand who's done an extensive amount of uh, sort of fairly significant testing uh, on muzzle brakes. And look, I think I've found the channel um, on YouTube, which is Dean Maisie. Is that the one? Is that yeah, the I've, one? I've actually used quite a few of his brakes. Okay, so he makes um, brakes as well. Is he just testing his? Or uh, I'm not. I've seen a review recently where a guy tested a whole bunch of different brakes um, on a 338 lap. Yep. And he had a jig set up to sort of measure how far the rifle recalled back. And that would slide back? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's one I'm looking at here. Um, And they've basically got a jig where they've got a a barreled action bolted in um, and on a slide and they'll... I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to... I'm podcasting, I guess. Um... So they'll, they'll pull the trigger, it'll slide back, and they'll measure how far it comes back comparative to the other brakes. Um, so it looks like a pretty interesting series. Um, I think he gets fairly in-depth with it. Yeah, uh, that's probably not the one I'm thinking of. The one okay. I'm thinking of, they had a, a Remington 700 MLR. Yep. Um, and they tested with the standard factory brake. Okay. And they tested right through. I believe they were maybe somehow tied in with the Terminator brakes. Sure, yep. Because they, they came out most effective just on that test yep um yeah now, again is that the one where it's on a pendulum and they swing it no back it was they, on a okay. on a slide and it sort on of slid slide. the whole rifle back yep. and then they could measure how far it went um so i mean i i've never used those particular brakes i've used um dean Maisie's brakes and they're very good like really good and they're beautifully yep. made yep again they you know i think the terminator brake as well is 
you would need to have it timed. So I guess it would depend. Like for a guy that wants to just fit a brake and not have to worry about it, hmm. um, you don't need to get a gunsmith to make one for you. There's plenty of off-the-shelf options where you buy it, take it in and, and have it fitted for you. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. No, I guess I've got a question for you two. Um, like, if I look at this question that Simon's given, he talks a lot about um, barrel jump. Now, I've seen brakes that just have, you know, obviously your typical side um, vents, but I've also seen them with side vents and like three holes across the top. Have you guys got experience in terms of between those two and which one will present less muzzle jump? Um, in terms of, you know, you've got recoil reduction and you've got muzzle jump. I know that you get a lot of recoil, uh, muzzle jump reduction just from your standard ports, but do you see a greater effect? Well, not. I haven't noticed it personally, and on the um, Precision Rifle blog, there was a good sort of um, yeah, that did good series up, didn't they, they did, yeah. yeah. And and the brakes that came out as the most effective as mm. far as all aspects of recoil reduction and uh, and efficiency didn't have that in the, the okay. top holes. And, cool. Yep. And it's got a lot to do with the the geometry of the ports as well. Um, mm. You know, the most mm. effective ones did have a, a, a rearward angle on them. They weren't just cut straight through from the side. Yep. So it, there's a bit more to it than that. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, mine's based on no scientific method at all, Greg. I'll say that up front. Um, but I I just personally like this, like a symmetric brake so that I know that it's being ported evenly side yep. to side. Yep. And, and if you're going to have them vertically, I... I'm of the belief you should have them uh, at the bottom as well. Yeah, now, I see. okay. Which obviously, I see where you're heading. Yeah, which, yep. So then they're, they're symmetrical, uh, which obviously you're not going to do because you just get covered in dust if you do yeah, that. Sort of in an most instances. Offset of your yeah. harmonics almost. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I'm I'm a fan of, and as I said, this, I have not tested this at all. So this yep. is just purely what I like, not no, what, it's what is a good theory worth the testing, you know. Yeah. Correct, um, and so um, I like them symmetrical, and and um, you will, you will, I guess the the muzzle jumps an aspect of uh, or a, the the barrel's got to go somewhere. It's not going to go mm. down, mm. Um, and it's not you know it can go side to side, which will be reflective of how you're holding the gun, yep. and it will go up as well, which is partially you know mm. because it can't go down so there's probably more energy going up yep. so when you break it to the side you're reducing the entire jump so it will we will go less yeah, in my yeah. experience and then if you're if you're directly behind the gun and it won't it's not inclined to go um off to one side it will still mm. stay on your target and while you may have to come back down onto your target mm. you won't be searching for it left to right yeah, and that, yeah. that i think is a lot of uh, positional setup. yeah or good position will get you straight back on target always mm. even with without a muzzle brake yeah you know um that's a good indicator that you have got good position mm. but, absolutely yeah. I would sort of be inclined to say a, a brake that's going to uh, be very efficient as far as reducing the directly rearward recoil is also going to be effective at reducing that jump. Yep. So. Yeah, the degree of jump's got to reduce with the recoil. So, mm. if Absolutely. you've got good position, I'd, I'd actually be interested to hear from from anyone who has got a, a brake with ports on the top, um, but not at the, the bottom, because it's not it's not something I've had a huge experience with because I've been mm. biased towards the other way. Um, and a, perhaps I'm going to maybe watch those videos to see if there is a difference between the ones ported up. 
Yeah, but, I've got one on my two four three. Oh, I'm still keen to hear from oh, with from, port, from port our listeners. Yeah, pointed it up, but I haven't really. I've got to be honest. I haven't really noticed any significant. Yeah, variance in the way it, you know, performs. It still just yeah. feels like a recoil reduction with a natural. What is there? It just naturally is acting. Look, there are certainly some well-renowned manufacturers that do it, like Holland um, Gunsmithing over in the States. They they make a series of brakes yep. that have top holes, but nothing, and obviously side ports, but no holes in the bottom. Yep. Um, and, you know, they're, they're brakes that are used a lot. Mm. And I think if it's made right, like if, if everything's concentric and true on it, it doesn't seem to be... Sure. Uh, um, accuracy adverse, but again, I've always have been of that view as well. If you're going to have something, you're going to you want something directly countering it. Like if you got yeah, you know, no, it's and there a are plenty good of view and It makes a lot of sense. Um, there are plenty you could of breaks. Do some tests around that that view. I think yeah, yeah. just be, to verify and what would be interesting is to get mm. a muzzle brake and, and that is just ported to the side and shoot it for you know good you know sort of thirty rounds or something like yeah. that, and, and then to port the same brake. And put it back on. And yeah. Do that. Um, now, I am um, having said all of that. I've actually just worked out that one of my brakes is uh, poured at the top. <laughs> um, my th- I, I got given a, a muzzle brake, uh, which was a Lantec, and um, I, I was just I was thinking about it, going, yeah, "That's a nice a looking brake, that one. They're a good looking yeah. brake." And yeah. then I went, "I reckon they got holes in the top." So yeah. maybe I've got an opportunity to test it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do they do the same model without the holes in the top? I know. It'd be great some, to have a side-by-side. Can we get some putty? Be, is that going to work? <laughs> I think we just need to put a milling machine in down at our range. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think do that this. Yeah. There's yeah, a plan. There, there we go. That, that'd be, we'll, we'll sell that. No, anyway, after all I said, I've actually got a break that contradicts my personal beliefs. <laughs> oh, that's all right. It still shoots all right. So I'm happy to be wrong on that one. We'll let's give it, we'll give it a go it, one day, though. Let's we'll, call it research. Well, we'll let's we'll, we got to go shoot more. This is this is turning out well. We have got to shoot more. <laughs> All right. So there is uh, there is uh, now we're up to question number four, three, four. Anyway, we've got one more question, uh, and this is from uh, from Rock out of Taz, uh, Tasmania. Um, I've been intrigued and have yet to f- have the chance to confirm what the point of impact difference would be if you have a rifle on its side laying ninety degrees at a hundred meters. The reason for the question is I've seen a few PRS stages in the US whereby the shooter is forced to shoot with a rifle canted 90 degrees. Can you go through this and confirm whether the bullet would impact at 100 metres and beyond, assuming your rifle is zero to 100 metres in the normal position? Note, uh, bullet drop is 63 millimetres from his rifle at 100 metres and the scope height is 50 mil. Well, Rock... Mate, I uh, I've got my theories, but uh, I I actually, funnily enough, um, I was thinking this same thing um, in the last few weeks, and I, I um, then got the email and went, yeah, yeah, okay, well, we're gonna have to talk about that one. Um, but um, so hopefully you guys have grasped the concept. Um, so effectively, you just turn your gun flat, ninety degrees, one way or the other, and then. Um, it's not quite as simple as the bullet. Well, now your your scope's on the side, so it'll it'll just change your windage and elevation, and you reverse it, and away you go. Because when you when your scope is on top of your your, uh, your rifle, your bullet is dropping a little bit, and your scope's angled towards that impact zone at a hundred meters. Now we're canting to one side. The bullet mm. is no longer dropping 
to the bottom of the rifle, it's dropping to the side of the rifle. And and also then your, your windage is now out as well. Um, so I, I tried to do this last Sunday, but the, the conditions were not ideal and I wasn't shooting on paper, to be fair. So um, we weren't getting a really great mm. indication of what was happening. We just we, we had a spare sort of 15 minutes, 20, did you, 20 did minutes. Did you get anything? Oh, uh, we 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 you think? made a hit, yeah. And yeah. we could we out to two hundred meters. We could dial it up using the windage. So we 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 got it on, but not conclusive enough to really know to be able to walk out there and measure it to say, oh yeah, it changed this much and this much. So, um, so the theory being that if your scope is, I'm not sure if we can explain this via. Yeah, I know <laughs> it actually hurts my head a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, because you know. It, your zero set to your your bullet basically goes up to your zero almost down. so down your, well, your scope goes down to your zero. The bullet falls. The bullet yeah. falls from the, the bullet, moment it leaves the muzzle. It's under yeah. gravity, so the bullet doesn't but, rise. Yeah, it depends what we're talking about, I guess. Um, shooting, shooting. We start no, no shooting. as in caliber. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it's all going <coughs> to fall? Just well, a little bit. No. What do you mean? All right. Yeah, if you're shooting something fast and flat and long, yeah, it, you're right. But if you're like in the 22 LRs or yep. they're sort of up on the way down. No, they're not. No. They're not. They never go past Gravity, you. Greg. If you've, got a, if you've got your barrel, your bore is um, parallel to the ground. Yeah. The bullet will never go above that line. The, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I understand that. But you, you, you orientate the gun so the barrel yeah, is pointing yeah, up, yeah, basically. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're tilting your barrel up but so you, that the bullet arcs. But, yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it arcs, but it yeah. doesn't ever go above the bore line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I understand cool. that part. I'm, so I'm talking flip- about the relationship between the scope and the yep. the, the barrel bore yeah. sight, if yeah, you like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, I've, so I've got a I've got a theory of how to make it workable. Um, hmm. If you were to in- encounter it in a PRS style stage, I, I would think that you could set up an additional, like in applied ballistics, you could set up an additional profile, a gun profile, where you change your, um, you reverse your your height of your scope. You know, you can set your, your scope um, height. And you change it to zero because your scope would be perfectly zero. In line with the bore. You, yeah. In line with hmm. the bore. And you would change your sight offset to what would be your scope. Height. 50 millimetres in this case. Yep. In this case. Mm. And then you would um, program in, because you can do it where your zero point is, is offset, um, at 100 metres would be you know, X amount of inches one way and, and X amount of inches probably low. Um, and then that should actually allow you to use your data to whatever distance you wish to take it, utilising your windage as your elevation and your elevation as your windage. Which could mess you up if you got a zero stop, but anyway, yeah, that's, no. uh, needs testing. It needs testing. So that sounds good. Sounds, sounds <laughs> like it'll work. Well, I mean, I think it. it what we need it just, to do is actually test it in a repeatable way, not just sort of in a yeah. hastily assumed position. Actually, have some sort of a fixture to hold the rifle, so that yeah. you're not testing anything other than point of impact. Or get it to work in a ballistic calculator. And then, and then put the solutions that, yeah. off the ballistic calculator, and yeah, that's, yeah. Now yeah. you're talking, Greg. Mm. Now you're mm. talking. Mm. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's that's not cool. quite sure how you'd go about that, but oh, we'll find a way somehow. 
Um, I mean, look, someone may have done all this testing. and I mean, no I know doubt. people have done it because it has appeared in the PRS, and I know that yeah. the guys up at NT were looking at putting it in a match. Yeah, that, that's, that's where I first saw it, and I went, ooh. Well, <laughs> so allegedly they've now bailed on that concept, and the most they want to go is 45 degrees, not 90. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can find out, eh? Mm. Um, we can definitely put a side mount bipod on that very good position because it's uh, – yeah, it's got the. You definitely key need to sit down and do a bit of modelling, don't you? Almost modelling in your ballistic calculator and have yep. a bit of a play. And well, I guess it's going to come down to as well how far away are you talking and how small are the targets? Well, because if it's only within a few hundred meters, it's mm-hmm. not as critical as if you're trying to make a a hit at a thousand meters on a one moa size target. Mm. So. Yeah, well, I, th- I think if you if you can if you can prove it on a hundred meters and, and show what it will do, and then take it out to say two or three hundred on paper to, to once again show what it will do, I, I think in theory you could you could shoot like that if you needed to. Oh, absolutely. I, I just sort of I wonder without looking into it or having looked into it that with the PRS stages that involve having a rifle turned mm. at ninety degrees, how far are they shooting? Because they may be... I, I think they keep it relatively close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have no doubt that you could set up a profile in applied ballistics that would allow you to yep. dial as far as you would with the Until rifle. Until you run out eventually. of windage. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which is not normally as much as a elevation. However, right. I, I think on a, on a stage that's within a few hundred metres, it's probably more... If it's a just understand you know, a steel the plate, yeah, and just being mm. able to physically manipulate the rifle into that position and use it, yep. it's probably more the key in yeah, in the PRS point. style of stuff. Well, mm. I know I know in one in one match I think it was uh connected with the core sh- uh core shooting solutions guys, but um may not have been their actual match. They they had a stage like that that was immediately after a 900 meter stage and uh they said that quite a few guys forgot to dial back to their zero stop and come uh, back to zero. So yeah. they were they were not even in the ballpark. They were missing because of that, not necessarily because they didn't quite understand what happened at 90 degrees. Yeah. Miles yeah. off to the left or right, depending which way they camped it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, all right. Well, uh, anyway. Um, in the meantime, I'll keep working on my zero degrees shooting. That, that would be... 90 degrees is a bit much for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll give it a crack it's anyway. It's a challenge. We'll yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see how it translates. If I get big enough pieces of paper, I'm sure I'll be able to hit eventually. <laughs> Move, moving so. closer and closer. You'll be right. I was thinking 10 metres to start with. Yeah. That will be it. We'll start with that. Um, cool. Well, that's our question. So... Um, w- couple of things have happened. One, we've got to choose what our favourite question was from that to be able to give away that load right kit. Are you guys, did you favour any particular question at all? No. I personally, I mean, there's there's a couple in there that uh, that you really have to kind of think a bit more about. And the one we've just spoke about, to me, is probably the most intriguing as, uh, as Rock used. He used the word intrigued. It's on the same. It's yeah. an interesting concept. There are, you know, there's a, there's a couple there from Alex as well that are, you know, not straightforward. You have to actually contemplate them a bit more. So, mm. I, I would come probably yeah, probably erring towards the first, or well, the last question we uh, we addressed. Yeah, yeah, ninety degrees, Greg. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm the same. You know that that hurts my head. That question, <laughs> and um, it's a damn good question, and yeah. uh, you know, it makes me want to get out on the range and and see how it does work. You know, and that's that that's that's part of a good question. Mm. Um, and probably 
my runner-up would probably be Brendan, just seeing a young fella really keen to, to learn and, and improve and get out on the range. You know, that, that, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually like the muzzle brake question because it's um, made me sort of rethink a few things. So, But um, I do really like that question about the, uh, the 90 degrees because it was intriguing me at the same time. So, uh, Rock, I, uh, you won yourself a load ride kit, mate. Um, good job. We'll uh, get in touch with you and get you that out. Um, so we, uh, we're still doing that comp. So if you've got some questions, send them through and we'll cover them the next time we do a questions episode. Uh, what we have done is um, pretty much taken up all the time in the episode between the news stuff and uh, those questions. So hopefully it was interesting. We will talk about load development in another episode because um, we wanted to talk through the processes. And perhaps next time we won't ask any questions, we'll do that. And then we'll go back to a couple of questions again. Yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, even some of the questions we addressed tonight, Rusty. I mean, we could have gone into more detail. It's always just that uh, oh, you, know, yeah. you, you want to cover it and you, you don't want to leave the guy hanging. But, uh, mm. yeah, there's some, I mean, some of those well, in-depth questions would be a whole podcast in themselves. And we're going to have to review, come back to that 90-degree one with the, the findings and see what yeah. see what happens. Yeah. That's a ripper, that one. Yeah, it's good. Um, but the, the, the prize for that question does sort of lead into the... Well, what was going to be our uh, topic tonight, which is load development, so it's a pretty relevant <laughs> <Yeah>. prize. <laughs> Segway. Yeah. So we uh, let's say next time we catch up, we'll do that. Um, mm. Interestingly enough, where, where are we up to in the calendar? That's that one. So we've got one more episode, uh, which will cover load development, and then we're actually going to be um, pretty much heading over to shot. Um, I know we've got one episode the week before, don't we? Uh, yeah. Before Shot Expo, so, and then we'll do a, you know, uh, we'll do some interviews and stuff over in Sydney. Cool. Yeah, and a bit of a chat about the trip and how many pranks get played and all that sort of stuff. Anyway. <laughs> they may, may not make it to the final cut, though. Yeah, that, that, but that's probably true. We may not make it to Sydney, to be fair. Um, anyway, so I guess that's that's it. Thanks, guys, for coming in. Um, and we'll uh, be back in a couple of weeks and do another one of these and have a chat about load development. Cheers, guys. All right, cheers. Catch you later. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile.